Are you tired of ticket fees? Pay the price for your ticket that is advertised and not a penny more. Go to TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Fantastic prices on all sports and concert tickets. Guaranteed seats, no fees. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Welcome to this week's edition of Halitech Hall. I am Michael Halitech. My partner, Aaron, can't be with us this week, so I'm going to attempt to do this solo for the first time. Welcome to our listeners. It was a great Super Bowl. We're going to delve into the Super Bowl in a lot of detail. We're going to talk pregame. We're going to talk during the game. We're going to talk... Uh, a little bit about uh, some things that happened during the game, some uh, coaching gaffes by Kyle Shanahan, and then we were going to uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the uh, mock drafts. Although it's way too early to even think about drafts, in my belief, there's no point in looking at the draft until after free agency and we see who we get through free agency and who we're going to sign that are still our own players. Uh, so without further ado, we're going to get right into the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 54 was held in Miami this past Sunday. And what an episode it was. From the pregame to the final whistle, the game was amazing. The NFL absolutely did it right. Let's start with the, the introduction of the all-time 100 greatest players. NFL went into great detail to go through the entire history of the league and pull out what they thought were the 100 greatest players and 10 best coaches. And the entire production was just first class from top to bottom. Some athletes they did by decades, some athletes they did by teams, some they did by their specialties. So you, uh, you were kind of left waiting to see who was what, even though you knew who they were. Uh, it was great to see uh, all of the Bears that made the list prominently shown during, the, uh, during this, uh, this uh, episode, uh, publication, production, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it was just super well done. And then they went from that into a testament to the United States with an old Johnny Cash uh, compilation called Ragged Old Flag. And I have to tell you, it brought me to tears watching that. Demi Lovato's national anthem was just absolutely first class. Then we had the coin toss. Uh, coin toss was uh, absolutely well done. The uh, one of the last remaining uh, 
Tuskegee Airmen brought the coin to the official. Uh, and then, of course, the coin toss itself. San Francisco is designated on odd years. The NFL uh, has the NFC team designated as the visiting team. So the San Francisco 49ers called the, the, called the coin toss. They called tails. It was tails, and they deferred. So the first prop bet, if you will, went to the, the, the coin toss on tails, and I'm sure that more people voted on tails than they voted on heads. It always seems to be that tails gets uh, more, more votes. Uh, Kansas City was held to a three and out by San Francisco. Amazing job by the 49ers defense bottling up Mahomes. He threw one pass that was deflected and knocked down incomplete. He threw a bad pass on third down, and of course, San Francisco gets the ball, and they march right downfield. Unfortunately, they made a huge error, one of, one of several, in that they had fourth down deep in Kansas City territory, and they opted to go for a field goal. So this is my opinion and my opinion only. I'm sure it's shared by other uh, podcasters all over the place, but um, it's, it's a shame that they, they, they got held to three points because you can't trade field goals for touchdowns against the, the Kansas City Chiefs. And even though Kansas City started slowly, those four points at the end of the game, and in another time too, which we'll get into, ended up costing them, I think, the ball game. So Robbie Gold, former Bear, scores the first points in Super Bowl 54. Kansas City immediately answered with a long 75-yard touchdown drive that was well-balanced. But their key play was when they had the ball fourth down and one at the San Francisco five-yard line, they didn't opt for a tying field goal. Instead, they ran the ball for a first down. And a couple of plays later, the ball is in the end zone. So the first quarter ended 7-3. to uh, Kansas City intercepted Garoppolo uh, to start the second quarter. Uh, the first play, they hit Wat Watkins to 28 yards to the San Francisco 28. Uh, Kansas City converts on another fourth and one, but San Francisco held them to a field goal, but now it's, it's 10 to seven in favor of, of Kansas City. San Francisco answers with a touchdown drive on their next possession, and with five minutes left to go in the half, it's now 10 to 10. Another key play in the games, when Kansas City started at the 20 and they drove to midfield, but but with a minute and 53 seconds left on the clock, facing third and 14, the Chiefs only gain one yard, but, but Shanahan fails to call a timeout. There was about a minute and 44 seconds left to go on the clock. San Francisco gets the ball at the 20-yard line after a touchback on a Kansas City punt, but there's only 59 seconds left. They get the ball to midfield, but still only 14 seconds left. And another key play in the first half, Kittle grabs a Jimmy Garoppolo pass down the right sidelines all the way to the Kansas City 14, but Kittle gets called, and rightfully so, Kittle gets called for offensive pass interference. They come back, they mark off the 10-yard penalty. 
San Francisco takes a knee, so they lost a golden opportunity to score points at the end of the first half, which again was, I think, a huge key in this game. After what I thought was a great halftime show, uh, I love J-Lo, I love Shakiro, I think they did a great job, uh, but this is all about football, this podcast, so we'll leave that for the experts and the non-experts to talk about online, but San Francisco opened up with a a well-balanced drive, but they go conservative again, and they settle for a 42-yard Robbie Gold field goal on what was only fourth and two. So when you take a look at that, that ball is placed at the 38-yard, 32-yard line. So the ball was on inside the the 25 at fourth and two. Instead of trying to go for it with their great running game. They decide to go conservative, and it's 13 to 10. They pick off Mahomes on the ensuing drive, and they go f- 55 yards in a few plays, and now it's 20 to 10, ending the third quarter. So now San Francisco has all the momentum. So Kansas City starts their first touchdown drive in what would end up being three touchdowns. But they ended up with, uh, there was two minutes and 35 seconds left to go in the third quarter, uh, and they're down by 10. Mahomes led the Chiefs down to the San Francisco, uh, inside San Francisco territory, but with 11 minutes to play, 11, just over, over 11 minutes to play, Mahomes has probably his worst error of the game. He badly underthrows the ball and it gets picked off by Tavarius Moore and the San Francisco now has the ball with just place it's 11 minutes and 57 seconds to go in the contest. Mahomes really at this point has looked nothing more than a pedestrian quarterback no touchdowns two interceptions on the day and Minnesota I'm Minnesota Uh, San Francisco seemingly has total control of the game, up by 10 in the ball, and then they have one first down, and Shanahan does the absurd. He abandons his running game, puts the ball in Garoppolo's hands, and he absolutely throws a Trubisky, and I hate to call it that, but he overthrows a receiver, throwing the, sailing the ball about eight feet over his head on what would have been an easy first down. Uh, they end up kicking the ball with nine minutes left, and Kansas City starts at their own 17-yard line, down by 10 with eight minutes and 53 seconds left. And that's when the magic happens. Magic happens. And you knew you couldn't keep Mahomes down, which is why missing out on those four points that they could have had with their opening field goal, with the additional four points when they went conservative on fourth and two, on the second field goal of the afternoon by Robbie Gold, and who knows what points that could have been scored if they would have had two full minutes to go in the, in the first half with the ball and two timeouts. So here's what happens. The Kansas City takes over, gets the ball to about the 35-yard line. On second and 15, Mahomes throws a ball to Tyreek Hill, 
for an apparent first down inside San Francisco territory. But Shanahan challenges the play, and it was ruled, and rightfully so, that he trapped the ball against the ground. And this sets up the key play of the entire game. Third down, 15, Mahomes completes a long pass to, to Hall all the way down to the San Francisco 21-yard line for a 44-yard gain. And then on third down, they hadn't gained a yard in two plays. Third down, Mahomes lofts a pass to Travis Kelsey in the end zone. It goes incomplete, but Kelsey was interfered by, by Tavarius Moore, the same guy that picked off his Mahomes' badly thrown pass earlier in the game. And a couple plays later, Kelly scores, or Kelsey scores on a play action pass from the one yard line. And now it's ball game. We've got a game now, 20 to 17, uh, but there's only six minutes left to go in the game. So, like any good offense, Shanahan's going to come out and run the ball, right? The, the uh, old four minute drill, the four minute offense that everybody in the league talks about. In the very first play, they, they have a great gain on first down. It was, it was second and four or second and five. And what do they do? They throw the ball. They throw two incompletions, and they kick the ball back to Kansas City. So what does Kansas City do? Seven plays. It's all it took, and they get the ball into the end zone Barely, uh, but a nice little little rollout by Mahomes, flipped it to his fullback coming out of the backfield. He just was able to get the ball, the nose of the ball, over the goal line, scoring a touchdown with 2 minutes and 44 seconds left. And of, now it's 24-20 to 20 in favor of Kansas City. Just after the 2-minute warning, at two first downs later, Jimmy Garoppolo has the 49ers at midfield. And on third down, he lofts a pass over the middle, misses a wide open Sanders for what, have, what could have been the game-winning touchdown, but he overthrew the ball by about three yards. One play later, he gets sacked. Kansas City only takes two plays. They get the ball at the 42. They gain four yards on first down. Then Williams runs around left side, right down the sideline for 38 yards and a touchdown for the Kansas City to win the game. Uh, 31 to 20 final score. So what did we learn here? We learned, obviously, that even Super Bowl coaches can make some mistakes. Well, we lived those mistakes in 2006 when Lovey Smith uh, took the, the Super Bowl Bears in 2006 to the same stadium in Miami. And that we, we witnessed what was the greatest kickoff to start a Super Bowl when Devin Hester ran the ball back for a touchdown. But then in the second half, rather than relying on Thomas Jones in the running game, they decide to get pass happy, just like Shanahan did in Super Bowl 54. And it was the Colts 
running game that stole the game from the Bears and the Bears ended up losing. And of course, all we remember is the, the pass that Grossman throws that gets intercepted and gets run back for a touchdown. But what we fail to realize is he's throwing into the wind in a heavy rainstorm. The ball gets knocked down. Why we're playing pass, pass, pass in the second half of that game is absolutely, totally beyond me. But, you know, it was what it was. They failed to go for two fourth downs, the 49ers do, back to Shanahan. Uh, they settled for two field goals. That eight points... It's now 28 to 24, even with the second touchdown with two minutes left to go in the game. They're still up. That would have forced an onside kick by Kansas City and changed the entire outcome of the game. The first half clock management, secondly, was absolutely brutal by Shanahan. Instead of calling that timeout on third down with almost two minutes to go in the half, they now get the ball with less than a minute on their own 20. They get the ball all the way to midfield. They get the ball almost inside the 15-yard line if it not been for a penalty that was called. And rightfully so, it was, it was a push-off by, uh, by, uh, by Kittle. But look at all the time that was wasted. They lost 45 seconds in that the at the end of that first half that couldn't mean the difference between it being maybe 17 to 10 at halftime they score 10 points in the third quarter instead of 20 to 10 it's 27 to 10 if you take those four points uh, the four points that they missed on the on the two field goals now that's eight additional points so it should maybe be 35, 28 to 10, and the, the comeback is a lot harder. As I mentioned before, Patrick Mahomes literally was nothing more than a pedestrian quarterback, and we give Patrick Mahomes all the praise and all the glory, and rightfully so. MVP of the league last year. Uh, who else were they going to give the MVP of the Super Bowl to this year after he scored a, a running touchdown? He threw for two uh, touchdown passes. He made a couple of great throws during that run where they scored those 21 uh, points in the fourth quarter. But he, did, he, wasn't, he wasn't the best player on the field, not by a long shot. But just like several times, let's go back to the Bears' Super Bowl in 2006, of course, Peyton Manning had to get the MVP because he's Peyton Manning, where Joseph Adai and his running back uh, tandem mate, they should have been co-MVPs of that Super Bowl. So unfortunately, now we have to, as Bear fans, live with the fact that Mahomes is the anointed one again, and he's now the MVP of the Super Bowl. It just reeks because of the mismanagement by Kyle Shanahan in what was his biggest coaching game of his career. We're going to take a time out for a message from our sponsor, Tick Splits, and then we're going to talk about some things we learned that can benefit the Bears 
going into 20 and beyond. So you're looking for great ticket deals. Who is it? Well, TixBlitz.com has you covered. From the biggest sporting events to Broadway shows and concerts, TixBlitz.com has the best ticket selection at the very best prices out there and no service fees. So the price you see is the price you pay. Plus, TixBlitz.com donates up to 25% of their proceeds to charity. TixBlitz.com has the tickets you want when you want them. Go to T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com today. That's TixBlitz.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. Thanks again to our sponsor, TixBlitz. Please use promo code TAILGATE. That's all caps. It's T-A-I-L-G-A-T-E. And you will get 5% off of TixBlitz already low prices. They're, they're low because they charge no service fees. So if you would have looked at Super Bowl tickets and compared prices between StubHub and TixBlitz, you would have found yourself saving almost $2,000 on two tickets to the Super Bowl when you add in the fees that StubHub was charging. You're charging $6,000 for a ticket and you're, you're tacking on an additional 22% in service fees, which was absolutely just criminal, where TickSplits charges no fees. So whether you're paying $50 for a ticket or $5,000 for a ticket, there are no service fees at TickSplits.com. Download the TickSplits app today on all your devices, whether it's Google, Play Store, or the Apple uh, App Store. So thank you again, TickSplits. So when you take a look at Super Bowl 54 that was just completed, what, what did we learn? We learned that, yes, you could have a prolific offense, but it can stutter at times like Kansas City did. You can have a balanced attack like Kansas City did. You can have an awesome run game like the 49ers have. But you can abandon the running game. Does that sound familiar, Bears fans? We abandoned the running game all too often in both of Nagy's first two years as his head coach of the team. But aside from that, speed kills. That was the first thing. When you take a look at, at this game, you take a look at the fact that, that you've got burners on both sides of the ball. San Francisco's running backs all run sub four fours. And then, of course, you've got the speed demons on, on the receiving end at Kansas City. You also have stellar play from your tight ends. Both teams had stellar plays. You've got Kelsey on one side. You've got Kittle on the other. And they, at times, really showed what is necessary for an offense like Nagy's, to be stellar is they need excellent play from their tight ends. And last but not least, strong offensive line play. And Aaron and I have talked about this all season long. The offensive line play of the Bears in 2019 was absolutely miserable miserable, bad blocking schemes, uh, double teams that the, one of the, the blockers doesn't come off to, to get into the second level and the running back runs right into the guy that the second guy was supposed to block. 
didn't happen. Our offensive line play, especially in the run game, especially early in the season, was absolutely terrible. The last thing that we want to take from this, and, and this is going to be a knock on, on Coach Nagy. You look at the plays, and I think somebody, I was listening to a, to a radio show on my way home from work last night, and I can't remember to give proper uh, credit to somebody who, who talked about this. But it's like it's a Rolodex in Nagy's offense, and he ro- spins it around and says, oh, I think this play will work. Rather than stacking plays on top of plays on top of plays that will open up other plays. So you go into an I formation and you run a play. You go into an I formation, you run that same play because it worked. You go into an I formation or whatever formation we want to talk about and you use play action pass off it and it sets up the defense for failure because you're going to put your players in a position you're scheming them open for the passing game and that's exactly what we were missing in this past year we will be right back to wrap things up on this week's episode by taking a look at the mocks that are already out uh, for bears draft choices after this message from ticksplits.com I just heard my favorite band is in town. I'd love to get good seats, but everywhere I've looked, the ticket sites have crazy service fees. Haven't you heard of Tick Splits? Who? Tick Splits. They don't gouge you with crazy fees. The price they advertise is the price you pay, plus a small delivery fee. Never pay service fees again. Go to TIXBLITZ.com today. TickSplits.com. Guaranteed seats, low prices. That's TickSplits.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. TickSplits.com. That's T-I-X-B-L-I-T-Z.com. Every ticket, every venue, everywhere. In our final segment in this week's episode, we're going to take a look at what some of the mock drafters are proposing for the Bears. And as of right now, as expected, it's early. So there's not a lot of players that are being talked about right now. But there are a few, and I mean a very few, a mocks out there that go through all seven rounds of the draft. Of course, the Bears aren't drafting in the first round, so uh, we're going to have to wait until day two before we see anything going on. But it's interesting of note to see what some of these draft nicks are talking about for the Bears in, in 2020. Uh, The draft is going to be held uh, in Las Vegas this year at the end of April. Uh, And here's what a few draft nicks have to say. I'm just going to go by position, not by round. But uh, two quarterbacks of note have been named on some of these uh, mock drafts. Steven Montez out of Colorado. Jacob Eason out of Washington. So a couple of uh, of PAC Pac-12, I guess it's called nowadays, as far as uh, as quarterbacks are concerned. So it's interesting that that you don't, I don't see a lot of West Coast colleges represented by by the Bears' recent drafts. So that's going to be interesting to to take a look at. As far as the offensive line goes, 
at tackle, there's Jack Driscoll from Auburn, Isaiah Wilson, Damian Lewis. I'm sorry, Isaiah Wilson is out of Georgia. Damian Lewis is out of LSU. Calvin Throckmorton out of Oregon. So there's a lot of big names there from a lot of big name schools. Now that's interesting to note. One running back has been talked about in mock drafts, and, and that's a kid out of Ohio State, Benjamin Victor. So uh, not much calling for running backs in the mocks this early going on. Uh, Jason Bryant is the only quarterback, cornerback mentioned. He's out of Fresno State. Shaheem Carter out of Alabama and Reggie Floyd out of Virginia Tech are the safeties that have been mentioned. In edge rusher, Travis Gibson out of Tulsa, Bradley Anay, I hope I'm saying his name right, out of Utah, Kendall Coleman out of Syracuse are the names most prevalently uh, talked about in, uh, in, in the drafts so far. And then last but not least, the tight end position. And I think the tight end position is one of the key things outside of offensive line that the Bears have to concentrate on. And there have been two guys named so far that I have seen. Bryce Hopkins out of Purdue, Harrison Bryant out of Florida Atlantic. I took a little bit of look, a little in-depth, more in-depth look at Bryce Hopkins. And when you take a look at Bryce Hopkins on paper, he looks like a clone to one of the, the key players uh, in, for the San Francisco uh, 49ers this year. And, of course, I'm talking about their tight end, George Kittle. George Kittle stands six foot four. He's 250 pounds. He, when you take a look at Bryce Hopkins, six foot four, 241 pounds. Almost a clone. He was second in the nation in 2019 with 61 receptions, second in the nation with 830 yards. He was third in the entire nation with seven touchdowns receiving. The high points and talking points about this kid, he's very athletic. He runs great routes. He has a full route tree. He's able to separate with his cuts in running routes, which sounds like no tight end we have on the roster as of right now. And I'm here to tell you that if our kid from that was injured all year, if he comes back and he is he is healthy, uh, that, that could be a nice compliment uh, to this Bryce Hopkins kid. He could be an ideal, ideal fit for this team. So here's hoping that we're going to be seeing a lot about these players that we just talked about to come. I want to give credit to Windy City Gridiron, who has posted some of these mock drafts on their website, in particularly our friend uh, Lester Wilfong and our, our friend uh, of the show, uh, Jacob Infante. 
So of course, as, as you know, I, I did not name the Bears tight end because it brings up bad thoughts. But of course, it, our tight end that missed all of this year, uh, even when he was on the field, he didn't produce anything. Of course, that's none other than Trey Burton. So if we can get 800 yards and 60 receptions out of Bryce Hopkins, and we can get the, what we saw in the first year of Trey Burton, that could be an awesome duo for the Bears in 2020. Uh, we all know that Mitch Trubisky is going to be our quarterback until otherwise stated by Nagy and, and Pace, and we're going to have to go with that. But, of course, there can't be discussion without including a quarterback in the mix. And Aaron would kill me if he was on with me today if I didn't talk about the quarterback position. Last week we talked with Aaron, and he, was, uh, he, he kind of went on a rant uh, earlier in the week before we recorded about Mitch isn't going to be the guy. Mitch isn't going to be the guy. And, and you know, part of me hates to believe that. Part of me wants to believe that Mitch can be the guy. And with the new coaching and the new voices that are now at Hallis Hall, I really think that he can be the guy. But I don't care who you bring in as a quarterback, if you don't surround him with an uh, offensive line that can open holes for the running game so they can run a, a diverse and well-balanced offense, if they don't have tight ends that can complement the passing game instead of just keying on Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson, if you only have Cohen in for trick plays, that offense isn't going to work. As I had mentioned earlier before the, the previous break, Nagy's offense is only going to be successful if he sets up one play after another and starts stacking plays to set up the offense to run something off of those formations later in the game that takes the defense by surprise. And that's what opens up passing games. That's what, what opens up running games. That's what leads to higher scores on the scoreboard and they have to score touchdowns. They have to stay on the field. Their defense in 2018 was on the field almost, I don't think there was a team better, there might have been one, where they led the league in, in getting off the field. They were on the field for right around only 27 minutes. I don't think that was the case in 2019. The Bears had way too many three and outs. They shot themselves in the foot way too many times this year. Their lack of scoring in the first quarter, and in fact the entire first half, was absolutely detrimental to the entire season. Despite that, we know they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. Despite that, we saw what the defense did against Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers didn't play well against the Bears defense this year, even though they won both games. They could have easily lost those two games. And now we're looking at a 10-6 record for the Bears versus an 11-5 record for Green Bay. 
And then, of course, the two games that stick out, and we're going to be talking about these all offseason, the Raiders game and the Chargers game, where they missed the field goal at the end of the game against the Chargers that would have given them a victory. When Eddie Pinheiro missed a kick, he was suffering from his leg injury, and he just didn't have the strength, and the ball tailed off wide left. The defense gave up a game-winning drive against the Raiders in London after, I won't even name his name, got penalized for running into the kicker, which gave the Raiders the ball back. And instead of the Bears being able to ice the game, Oakland was able to continue downfield and steal victory uh, from the jaws of defeat over in London. And that set up a cascade of errors that led to a four-game losing streak. So instead of being five and three, or maybe even six and two, they're three and five at the halfway point. They turn it around and finish five and three the second half of the season, but eight and eight doesn't get you into the playoffs unless you're an NFC East team. That said, I want to thank TickSplits, our sponsor. I want to thank Jacob Infante and Lester Wilfong for the articles posted on Windy City Gridiron that gave us the material we needed to look at the mock drafts that are going on uh, early. But as I mentioned previously, don't put any stock in mock draft choices or mock draft boards until we see what free agency brings. We have to sign our own players. We have to add depth via, the, via free agency. And we have no idea what that's going to bring. Free agency begins the middle of March. It goes through the draft. And then it opens again after the draft. So we've got free agencies. We've got our own free agents we have to sign. We have other teams' free agents we can sign. We have rookie future contracts that we can sign. We have the draft. We have the undrafted rookie free agents that we can take a look at. And then there's tweaking that will go on with the 90-man roster right up until training camp, which will be at Hallis Hall this year for the first time in forever come July. That will do it for this week's episode of Halitech Hall. Double A will join me again next week. And we'll get right back at it, talking more about what's going on in the Bears world and Bears Twitter. So this is Mike Halitech signing off for the week. Thanks for listening, everybody. Mm -hmm.